0: What's up and welcome to Clarity for Parents of Athletes, bringing you stories from professional athletes about their parents and how they were raised. My name is Gabe Nocer from aclearmind.com. So what were your takeaways from the interview with Jaron Solomon? One thing I can't quite seem to get out of my mind is when Jaron spoke about his six-year-old nephew who plays football and is on the best team but rarely plays, which according to Jaron, his father is okay with. His nephew's coaching staff and parents seem more concerned with annihilating opponents rather than balancing playing time and developing players through games at an age where that is critical. A reminder that Jaron's nephew's team is six, seven, and maybe eight-year-olds. They should all be playing. That's how they learn. That's how they get better. That's how they develop. Now, I'll break it down a bit more and ask you a question. If, if there's a teacher whose classroom is known to have better grades and better test scores compared to other classrooms in school, you'd want your child to be in there, right? Most people would naturally say, yes, of course. Now, what if the reason why the classroom average test score is higher only because The teacher taught only some of the kids to get exceptional grades and paid little attention to your child. Now, your answer might be different. I realize that not every parent tries to put their child on the best team with no regard to what effect it may have on their athlete, but it does raise a bigger concern that I see. You might have witnessed that there tends to often be a win-at-all-cost mentality when it comes to youth sports. Winning is first on the agenda even if they say it's not, and development comes second. Now, I want to be clear that I believe that not every coach and every team has this mentality, but it certainly exists, and I get it. There's a business side to youth sports. Clubs and teams that win tend to get the best players if they don't have them already. The more the teams within the club wins, the more parents want their child to be in the club, and the more athletes want to be in the club as well. The more players in the club, the more money the club makes, and the more money the coaches make. The more money the coaches make, the more other coaches want to be in that club. It makes complete sense as to why the haves have more than the have-nots, the smaller clubs. I've been a part of that as well. I had a team that started when they were under nine, and I knew in order to get the best players, we had to win. Now luckily, I was focused on developing players holistically and knew that winning would come if the players were strong in the four pillars of sports, technical, tactical, physical, and psychological, and I talk about this more in depth in episode one. Now I was always analytic when watching good players and was able to see their foundation that they had that made them a good player. The best soccer players had a fantastic first touch when they received the ball and they were comfortable with the ball when they had it at their feet. Luckily, I had a coaching mentor who had one of the best teams that I've ever seen from New Mexico, and he told me the importance of juggling the soccer ball to develop first touch. So I had my team juggle and juggle and juggle and juggle and juggle. That was the foundation, and from there, I focused on the players being comfortable with the ball at their feet, among other things. I concentrated more on developing the players instead of purely winning by only playing my best players or telling my players to boot the ball away whenever there was any kind of pressure that they were facing or uh, sticking the biggest player in the goal to block as much of it as possible. And yeah, my players made mistakes and we lost some games, but there was always a focus on the bigger picture instead of short-term goals of winning relatively meaningless games. Now, I often get asked, by parents in my area what the best club for their child is and I always let them know that every club has its positives and negatives because there are so many variables between the clubs and so many different players and families with different needs and abilities. Now the most important thing that I tell the parent is the coach. They spend most of their time with the child Get to know your child's potential coach before jumping on a team and ask parents from the team and even ones who left the team what their experience was like. Observe the coach on the sideline during games and, if possible, practices. How do they speak to the players individually and as a team? Do they berate the players? Do they berate the team? Do they berate the referees, other coaches? Now, Jaron Solomon was blessed to have a coach who was willing to not play him in his games because he felt Jaron was not up to par with his skills, despite the fact that he was extremely athletic. Not only that, but he had a coach who was willing to provide honest feedback to his dad when he asked him why Jaron wasn't playing very much. Here's some more blessing in Jaron's life. He also had a dad who approached the coach purely with wanting to know why Jaron wasn't getting very much playing time instead of acting out of ego and frustration at the coach and letting him know that he was wrong for not playing Jaron very much. The information Jaron's coach gave to his dad and that his dad relayed to him motivated him to do the extra work that it took for him to improve on his skill, which led to more playing time, which led to more success. Now, one way people choose to act is out of impulse and to take things personally when it comes to our child. They experience contaminated thinking, which leads to a feeling of imperfection and embarrassment and and other emotions. And they start to believe that their child not playing will be detrimental to their lives when it could be the one thing that pushes them forward. Now, another big takeaway I had from Jaron's interview was the idea of doping in track. And not so much doping itself, but it's more the idea of the fact that parents are role models for their children. It was so powerful to hear that he said he didn't want his daughter looking up on the Internet someday that he doped and that he cheated in track. And that he would have to explain it to her or explain it to other members of his family. That is so huge. If we could only all act as if our child is going to do research about us on the internet someday, whether it's something that's actually going to be out in the public eye or if it's something that's within the family. If we can always have that point of view and that belief, that forces us to take a look and slow down as to how we're responding. Instead of responding from impulse, we can tune in and respond from love. And knowing that, if we're not a track and field champion, yet we're still a great track and field athlete, that we can still have success. Or even if that we won't have the success of winning many, many gold medals in the Olympics, that doesn't define who we are. So many people believe that we become defined as to our level of success or how much money we have. It doesn't. Again... That is the outside-in mentality. All of our power, all of our success, all of our determination of who we are stems from a place of love. It comes from within, not from outside of us. Our success in society does not determine who we are, and it does not determine who our child is. Only our love for ourselves Only our love for our child, only our child's love for him or herself determines their value and nothing else. Now, what were your takeaways from the interview with Jaron Solomon? I'd love to hear from you. And as always, you can contact me by leaving me a voicemail by going to my website, aclearmind.com forward slash podcast, or go to speakpipe.com forward slash clarity4. Thanks for listening, and please feel free to rate, review, subscribe, and share with others. Much love to you and many blessings.